Welcome to Callback Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. You're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 21. Just a reminder, you can find all my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or at podnuts.com slash ctg. All right, folks, changing the show up a little bit. I've been uh, thinking about how I want to change it up, and I decided that I'm going to go back to doing the show solo. But on occasion, I'm going to have Derek join me as a guest host. And we're either going to do a show together or we're going to have a guest. It all depends on our schedules and our lives. Everybody's been busy. So I thought, you know what? It's time for me to get back to my roots of me doing the shows and then try to pull in some uh, new new information from uh, other people that work in Office 365 and, and see if we can all learn from other people. Uh, for those that are new to the show, this show is about Outlook and Office 365. We talk a lot about Office 365 Exchange online and migrations because that's seems to be a hot topic with us technicians so if you're an inspiring office 365 tech or veteran or just like listening to my stories i welcome everyone feel free to email in questions or your own stories techs love nothing more than hearing other techs and understanding each other's stories i think we all kind of laugh in the background when we hear oh that happened to me or "Ooh, i guess i better watch out for that you can email me, Lisa, at callthatgirl.biz. And before we get going, I'd like to take a moment to thank our new show sponsor, AppRiver. AppRiver, email and web security specialists. AppRiver offers phenomenal Office 365 sales and support, and they have been my preferred vendor for all of my clients for two years now, and I'm thrilled to have them on as a sponsor. If you have listened to my shows in the past two years, you've probably heard me talk about AppRiver. And if you'd like to set up a time to talk to my personal sales rep, Steve Harris, you can email him at sharris at appriver.com. Okay, got that out of the way. Now we can move to the good stuff. All killer, no filler, folks. We're back to me telling my stories of migrations gone wild or just things that went really good or things that you can learn from. And my favorite job in the past two weeks I've done is what I thought would be the easiest migration ever, exchange to exchange. And you know, if you've done migrations, if you do an exchange migration, you know, you basically export out the PST file. This is for small companies. You export the PST file. I also back up the calendar and contact separately just in case, but normally you can export everything at once. And then you do the server updates, DNS updates, and then you go back in, set up the profile, import in the whole PST, right? Should be easy breezy. Okay, so I was all excited. I had a Friday afternoon job, and I scheduled this one on a Friday because I knew that the client would be gone. The other client, I was going to do her migration on my computer, and I thought, you know, it'd be a great day to just get this migration done. It was going to be easy. Okay, so I booked myself, you know, solid, of course, on Friday, which we're going to learn from at the end of this job. I'll tell you why you shouldn't book a full day and a migration. Um, okay, so I export the PST from the client. Worked out fine. I did the DNS updates. Server took. Email is moving. I'm happy, right? So I get into her computer, and I tried to set up the mail account. It would not let me 
create the email account in the current excuse me the current profile which i always try to do because i don't like resetting up everything all the pst files all the stuff blah 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 and um it wouldn't take it and i noticed there's this little thing that kept popping up uh something called a robocop a robo something it was kind of like a last pass you know and i was like i kept hitting save and it kept not taking it so the email account would not take because of the robo thing so I turned that off, tried it again. At this point, I was locked out of the account or who knows what. So then I said, well, I'm going to bypass the auto discovery part of the email account. And I'm going to jump right to doing it manually, which I know the manual settings like the back of my hand. Okay, the manual settings would not take because it was missing what's called anonymous authentication. I believe that's the correct word for it. When you go to do a manual setup, in uh, exchange migrate excuse me exchange settings it does require you to have that and that you can only get from doing a windows update which i've learned from in the past okay so i'm like all right so now that's missing now i do know of a fix a hot fix for that but i it was in a hurry and i didn't remember where i put it <laughs> so i said okay i know now she needs updates done so i went and looked and there's 178 updates and she was gone and I don't like doing 178 updates unless the client does it themselves or I know for sure, like I do their backup or something. It makes me nervous. I don't know what the computer condition was in before I started doing this. So I basically left her a note and said, look, I'm going to do the migration on my computer and you go do the updates and then we'll kind of, you know, meet in the middle. So I took her PST file and I, excuse me, I transferred it to my computer over my remote software, took about an hour, got it over to mine, imported it into, well, excuse me, I'll stop there. I had more issues with creating the profile on my computer. So I figured out it was a password glitch due to all the different RoboCop things. And uh, so I get that set up finally. I go into export it it exports in perfect so i let that sit it kidnapped my outlook for the night i didn't care as happy as a clam okay next morning i wake up and she basically was gone all day so it halted all operations because until she did the windows updates nothing else would work and just to let you know also the day before another thing that can cause password issues when you're setting up a new exchange email account is the windows credential manager can hold tight to an old password so i did also release those removed them from the vault just in case so sometimes when an exchange won't take a password it's that or it's the robocop or it's some other you know something it's usually the password is wrong to be honest with you but i had a mix of you know triple things going on here okay so moving ahead the client says okay i did the updates we rebooted and I get her uh, account set up finally took forever to download because she had a lot of mail and you know today I think it's been a couple days now she calls and says a whole bunch of my emails are missing now this is common with migration sometimes if you're doing import exporting it can happen a lot from IMAP or it can happen from an OST file like uh, an exchange export because of filters put on or what my problem was is I thought her email was done synchronizing with the server. So I closed her Outlook because it says at the bottom, when it's done, all folders up to date. Well, it lied to me. The sent mail was not all up to date. 
So then she texted me today and was like, hey, some of my send mails are gone. I said, okay, don't sweat. I opened up her profile that was still on my computer. And what do you know? Sent items were still synchronizing. <sighs> so I had another hour of my Outlook being kidnapped. And that's, you know, sometimes the problem that I have is I have to use my own system to do some of the migrations to help. But, you know, I can check my email other ways for that hour. It wasn't a big deal. But, but you know, the point of the story is this, is that when you expect uh, a job to be easy, like, oh, easy, exchange to exchange, no problem. This is an example of jobs gone wrong due to technical glitches. And, you know, I, I just kind of got frustrated Friday night. I'd already been working. You know, I mean, it's not like I'm doing, you know, hard laborious work, but my brain was really tired. And I was like, I, I think I'm, I think I was just happy that I had to take the break because the Windows updates issues, because I was kind of just like, you know, it was late Friday night. I was tired. I was exhausted. I just didn't want to have to, you know, keep working on it anymore. And I've been on it since two o'clock. And, you know, I was kind of hoping to be done by five. <laughs> it actually rolled into Sunday. So that's when you manage expectations really good with your clients to say, you know, look, this migration should only be two to four hours. But now I had many technical glitches and I can't expect those. So that's one thing I've learned is I might not want to have a full Friday workday anymore if I have migrations at night, which I kind of like doing them at night because everybody's gone and I don't have to, you know, I can just get my work done without interfering with my client's work day and them interfering with my work. But man, it can make for a long day and you better not have any plans over the weekend either if they need to, you know, if they need to uh, have their computer or do their outlook. And there's always ways around it, but okay, so that's that job. And that's my big learning lesson is that I cannot <laughs> anymore say, oh, that's an easy job. Um, let's see, scooting down my list here. I had a few other interesting things. I just did a migration today and today this recording is May 19th with a client that lives on a tropical island that literally was on IMAP. He's got the most simple email situation ever. He just really doesn't want any more spam. And that's where AppRiverse sells a uh, secure tide, their spam filter. So I told him, I said, look, here's what your exchange is going to cost. Here's your spam filter costs. And he was like, I'm sold. And now I had to deal with him being on a tropical island with really bad download speeds and upload speeds. So the job today, you know, I, I build by the hour on it instead of my migration project. And I thought I would have to do all the migration work on my side. And actually his upload speed was better than his download speed. So I was like, well, hey. So I exported out his mail, did the server updates, made the, you know, made the account and started transferring data over and it's got 1.5 up, no, 0.7 down. So, I mean, I had to be on the side of, yay, it's going to take all night. But, uh, you know, his, it was very simple migration, email only, no calendar, no context, no third party apps, no phone, nothing. The whole job took about an hour and 40 minutes with the importing, exporting and all that and it's still um, still sinking with the server right now too so that's uh, that to me was a great example of a good job gone fast and I love these little simple ones sometimes um, also in the past week I had a client that uh, booked an appointment with me that sometimes I get amazed by what I see when I remote into people's computers and 
you know, we all do that as techs. When we see people set up, we're kind of like, how can they manage that much work, those many folders, that much data? Like, you know, we've all remoted into the desktop and seen, you know, it filled. And then plus when you go into the desktop icon in Windows, you see it's got a thousand items. And I just can't process sometimes how people do their work. Well, this client actually had about 20 email accounts, which I was amazed. I think that's most I've ever seen. And not only that, she had about 20 PST files or OST or Exchange because of all those 20 accounts. And I have to give this client some credit. She knew every file and folder like down to a T, but the problem is because she had so many old um, IMAP glitches here and there, she just had literally like stacks of PSTs in uh, two parts in the Outlook documents, Outlook files folder, which is the default now for 2010 and 2013. And then the app data folder where the default Outlook PST files are for 2007, 2003. Both were packed with PST and OST files. And literally I said to her, okay, we're not gonna touch any of these till you've backed up everything. So I spent quite a bit of time with her, helping her with the little problems she had. And then I said, look, let these two back up on your Carbonite. I had to move some other files. Um, I believe she also had a stack of them in the C drive, the root. <laughs> so I always tell people that's not a safe place to put data because I've had um, some people that weren't backing that folder up and that that was a bad idea. So anyway, I moved their folders to the folders that Carbonite will see and whatever they use. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, you have a lot going on in your email. So the job was about an hour and, I don't know, I think an hour and a half. And I said, you know, you might want to uh, purchase a four-hour ticket with me because, uh, you know, then you can use me as a retainer service. If you ever have a problem, just call me up and I'm pretty fast and responsive. And I always give people seven days to make their mind and change their mind and I'll reverse the ticket and update it. And she emailed me today and said, yep, I'd love your four hour ticket idea. So let's schedule another appointment. And because sometimes with my, with my clients, I give them homework. So I kind of like, know they're going to call back because, um, about the two hour mark is the most I can handle in a, in a job, unless it's a migration because it's, um, two hours of troubleshooting hardcore for me is a lot. And, um, we're at that time limit. So anyway, I got a good sale out of the deal. And, you know, with the work I do, Outlook and Office 365, you know, my, mostly migration work or, you know, fixing Office 365, what a lot of you guys need to know is that, you know, the more you do this work, the more you can market yourselves and become backup tech support for businesses that already have tech support. But maybe those techs aren't savvy with Office and, you know, they don't know the IT side of it, the administration side. And that's where I kind of, um, this week I had like a champion week, I'm going to call it. I sold three $900 tickets to businesses that already have tech support. But those, those, those clients called me for just Outlook work. And I said, well, look, I can backfill those, you know, your techs. And they were like sold. Well, they have a lot of employees. One company has uh, 120 employees, so they would only be backfilling for when the two IT guys don't want to help or don't know or whatever. And the other company just simply doesn't have any tech support at all. So that was kind of a nice win. But they actually have an on-site person. I'm sorry, they do have an on-site person. So we're going to be the remote backup slash Outlook IT admin. 
And then the third one, let me see. I took in my notes. The third one was, um, oh, another another company that does not do what I do, but they're in the, the technology world. Uh, they basically know everything. They just don't want to do it anymore. And that's where, that's my bread and butter stuff. Like, hey, you send me a request, I'll do it on my end. You know, like IT administration, creating accounts, emails, you know, little things like that. They're big enough that they really do need an IT administrator. And these kind of companies, you know, they don't need an MSP. They don't want managed services. They just want someone to take care of the little stuff. And that's kind of help desk work. But two of the companies already have help desk people. So I'm like backfilling for them. And, and you know, to have three $900 sales in a week is pretty nice for a company my size. That gives me a lot of good work to come my way. I can build new relationships. And, you know, I did not know this kind of work would be here two or three years ago. So that's why I'm personally super happy with this Office 365 and where it's going to go because I think a lot of techs out there that are either struggling with hardware or their stores or their on-site visits, but they're savvy with the software side, really can get involved with this and, you know, really consider a lot of um, side services that you can sell to your current clients or to your competition because not everybody's competition is going to know what you know. All right, let's see. Well, you know what? I think I might close my all killer, no filler with just a, a nice little note I had about a client that I think what he wanted to do was just see how good his Outlook skills were, which I think is funny because he booked the appointment without really anything particular he wanted fixed. And when I took the call, I was like, yeah, so what are we working on? <laughs> and he literally just had, hey, I want you to look at this, you know? And, and it was kind of like we went this uh, direction of, let me show you this and then you tell me if I'm doing it right or you tell me what you think could be better. He basically wanted just some like tips and to make sure he knew what he was doing. And the guy had a pretty nicely organized outlook. I, I really couldn't deny that was one of my favorite jobs in a long time because I just kind of like guided him and praised him and said, man, you're doing it all right. That'll be $90. <laughs> And that I'm sure we've all had those clients where the people are just like, I just want you to check my computer to make sure it's okay. Thank you. I'll take your $100. But I love those kind of clients. And uh, when he does have a problem, he kind of test drove me to test me out. So he knows I'm his girl when he, when he needs me. All right, folks. I think that might cover us for the all killer, all filler. I'm looking at my notes here. Now that I'm going to be doing some more consistent shows for y'all. I'm going to start writing things down again and trying to keep up with all the little snags I get. It, uh, I, have, I have them all the time. Scheduling snags, communication snags. It just never ends, it seems. All right. Let's see. Um, okay. So, remember, I would love some questions or any stories you guys want to send me. You can email me, lisa, at callthatgirl.biz. And also... If you enjoyed this show, go to my website, callthatgirl.biz slash office365 and share it to your social media. You can download it from iTunes also, I think, um, through the Podnuts Network. And if you are a technician that needs information about Microsoft migrations or you want some help, you can buy my ebooks at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. You can buy all five. You can buy one at a time. Or you can hire me to help you. And in the next few weeks, I'm bringing a tech on 
that actually heard one of my shows last fall and he works for a company of 17 people and said Lisa I want to do the office 365 migration but I don't have the time to learn it because I already have a job there but I'm the IT guy and I'm also a, an employee that does other work so can I hire you to be a consultant and I said yes and he's gonna come on um, two or three shows from now and we're gonna talk about this migration because it was kind of fun it we went through a full Gmail only download and we had some snags we had some learning curves and uh, he's a fellow Podnuts listener so like I said if any of you techs out there want help to learn it to get going I am for hire and I can uh, give you a really good fair rate for that also coming up in some new shows I'm gonna talk about for those that are doing more remote support how I changed my invoicing system and my scheduling system and we're gonna talk about Skype for business that replace link that to me is very very new I'm not used to it yet and I believe we're gonna have Derek on with that show because he's way more familiar with Skype for business and we're also going to discuss SharePoint and mapping for Windows that I'm actually going to give you guys the video now for it in my notes for this show so you can be prepared for it later. There's a lot of technicians out there having a lot of problems with SharePoint OneDrive still and while I'm a, trying to support it the best I can even though I might sound negative about it, it's still in my life. I still get calls for it and a lot of techs are going to the mapping to escape the OneDrive synchronization problems with file names that are over the characters. I think it's, oh, I didn't want to say to embarrass myself. I don't remember. But anyway, with some old XP systems, the names don't convert over and they won't synchronize. And a lot of people are having problems with that. So we're going to talk about that as well in an upcoming show. So stay tuned. So it was about two years ago when I started getting frustrated being the solo salesperson for Office 365 for my own company. <laughs> and there were many changes that were coming and going. And, you know, it was, it'd been out a, a, a couple of years before I started doing that. But I had to start, I had to start finding a new vendor to work with me because I really wanted a personal relationship with the company because I'm a personal consultant and I just can't stand being a number in the queue. And I don't like having to deal with, you know, ticket systems and service level agreements and all that. So I did some digging around and I found AppRiver to be the company I kind of wanted. And I found that my time is precious because I do all my billing, I do all the work and I book myself out for a full day that I just don't have the time to do the extended tech support needed for my clients sometimes. And that's where I found AppRiver really came in and fulfilled that need for me. And, um, Part of my interview process was I like that they offer a really fast 15 minute response time. If you email them in in 15 minutes or less, you hear back from them. Or my favorite is you can just call in directly to the tech support line. And for me, when I'm in the middle of a migration, there's nothing more wonderful than calling in and talking to a tech. And you're not talking to a salesperson, you're talking to a technician. And on your, you know, when you're not on a migration and you need to talk to your sales rep, you can call and talk to your sales rep. There's no, they don't blend the two. And I really like that feature. And um, I don't like a tech trying to upsell me. Just help me get the job done. And that's what I really love about AppRiver the most. But I also like that they're just faster responsive. And uh, I don't have to wonder about an email getting back to me because they are very responsive with emails. And I think what I'm really mostly thrilled about is that I basically have a team of exchange administrators at my ready. And 
I have a lot of experience with what I'm doing, but I don't have all of the experience. And I can't keep up with the updates and the changes of Exchange and Office 365 as fast as those folks do because they're trained to know that stuff. So when I have a snag, I call them up and they help me out. And uh, keeps me free to do what I do best, which is sales, support, and keeping my billing hours to billing hours and not wasting time on the learning. So if you are interested in getting in with AppRiver, and be a referral partner, uh, get in contact with my sales rep, Steve Harris, sharris at appriver.com. Now, some upcoming guests that we have on the show coming up is uh, Marvin B. is going to come back and finish up his story about his Office 365 migration, which I think might have a funny joke or two in there. Uh, I kind of laughed when he emailed me about it, and we're going to talk about that migration for the podcast guy I helped. We also have a hundred person migration before and after story. So we're going to talk to one of my fellow friends from Technable. We're going to talk about the pre-migration, everything we have to do or he has to do to prepare for that. And then the migration is going to happen and then he's going to come back and talk another show about the after math. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be aftermath. And also we have Mike Smith coming up from the Mike Tech Show. And Mike has been doing a lot of Office 365 work and I just can't wait to talk to him because when he's doing his show, I can just chat with him and it's hard to discuss it. And <laughs> then he has his show and so I get to have him on my show so I can actually discuss the, the differences he has between uh, maybe we're doing things completely different and I'd like to know more a little bit more about his. And also I have another technician from Technible who's going to come on. And we're going to talk about how he's done his migrations and how he's changed them since he bought my ebook uh, quite a while ago. My ebook was just, I think, you know, the ladder to get him going. And uh, he's been doing quite a few now, and we want to hear his stories. Okay, folks, so this topic this week is checklist for migration work. Now, you heard me talk a few shows ago about the migration, I think I called it the migration meltdown. Let me go get my list here. So when I had this meltdown, which I wouldn't, you know, really call it like, you know, it was horrible, but I basically said I am doing a migration until I fix some processes because I think what happened is I just got lazy and that can happen in any business. You get so, you know, used to doing your work one way that you just kind of forget about the little things. And I, I just, I don't think I did a migration for like, I don't know, six weeks. I mean, and that was during my time I was coming back from Florida. So during the floor, uh, the Florida drive home, I said, I have to sit and I thought of every single thing I could think of that would make a migration go better. And I'm going to share these uh, checklists with you in the show notes. So I had to think of, remember, every single thing. <laughs> and I think I pretty much got it. So there's a checklist that you send first to the owner or your client who's paying you. And what I do is I require them to fill this out before each migration. And the one reason why I do this, and it doesn't matter what vendor you use for Office 365 or directly go to Microsoft, you still need to have this information. So this is kind of a for everybody thing. You need the company name, you need their name, last name, their email account, the street address, city, zip code, phone number, blah, blah, blah. I was put in preferred method of contact just in case. Some people are big phone people. They're texters. They're emailers. I only do two, phone and email. I don't allow texting unless, you know, we're really close. 
Um, I do have it in here about data backup because to me this is a client agreement form also and some people aren't backing up you know so it's maybe a good time to little get a little upsell in there but you're asking the question so they have an option of answering then you'll know I also ask how many mailboxes will be migrated so I want that number in there because when I go to fill out in my partner portal how many I know how many that's just to me is just a, another checkbox that I don't have to deal with um, this also includes sales at info at support at and and one thing is additional is a lot of companies sometimes they don't use those for really mailboxes they're just meant for forwards so that's why these questions are important because then you can find that out um, my next question is please list all the email addresses to be migrated and full name now, if you're just doing one or two people, it's not a big deal. But if you're doing 12 people, yeah, some people want their full name to be Susie Johnson, but then they want it to be displayed as Susan Johnson, PhD. You know, so that's when you get their full name in there so you can get that done while you're um, setting up the accounts with Microsoft. And then the email addresses, if they type them in, then that should be pretty accurate, I'm going to guess. And then the next one is website hosting control panel information now this is super important when you're doing the DNS updates but, but more importantly you need to log into the control panel to update the text record to be able to authenticate with Microsoft before they can set up the accounts so I like getting that information snap off the bat just snap it's there because then I can go do that and and just not have to worry about it I also ask people what version of Outlook are they using now it's really rare I get anybody with 2003 it's so rare but hey here's my favorite I don't use Outlook oh I don't use Outlook what do you use my phone only okay uh, or I just do it in the Gmail browser or I just do the online web access or I you know the thing is is that the more I know about a client and how much information well it's not just the information but how am I going to configure it to get their data to the server so let's just say someone is using the online web access only from an old, you know, OWA account. You, you know, for me, the way I do it is I have to log in on my computer and download it to my Outlook, back it up, and then when I get the new Microsoft account, I set it up on my computer and I upload it on my computer, and then they can do it on their OWA and theirs. So I'm actually doing a lot more of the work and. Uh, I have uh, two computers, so if I have to do that, I can. And that's really rare that people just do it online only, but it happens. And Gmail is the one that can really suck up your time because sometimes Gmail people have no idea how much email they have. And that's what the tech I'm having on next who I talked about that hired me to help them. They had gigs upon gigs upon gigs of email in that browser that they really didn't know about until they were told we don't have enough space and when you're being told by Google you don't have enough space that's time to get off you know if, you, if they want to anyway okay so what version of Outlook are you using is a question I have and then I asked them to provide a second email account for the owner now the owner I need to get like a hotmail or a charter or whatever account they use for personal most people have two to five email accounts anyway the reason why you need this account is because when you're setting up the Microsoft account I don't always want to be the only global admin and the global admin does need to have a second email account 
so that if they get locked out, they can email the second account with a code and do the password reset and all that stuff. So this is just something I learned along the way. You might as well get this now, and then you set up the owner as the global admin. Get taken care of right away. Next question I ask is, are there any other computer issues we need to be aware of? Now, the migration meltdown actually caused me so much stress because a lot of those people had other problems that they didn't tell me about. And I thought, well, hey, if I'm going to give them a chance to tell me, I might as well. Sometimes it's a surprise. Hey, you know what? I have 178 updates I didn't do. I, I can't, you know, force my, my clients to get a tune-up before each migration, which actually I did consider once because I thought not only is the upsell nice, but then I can, you know, pretty much make sure the computer's up to par, right? But you can't. <laughs> so how do you know when there's like some kooky robo form or 178 updates that need to get done? Again, things you can't tell about. So that's why I give them the chance to tell me if they know of something. And the one client during the meltdown actually told me, yes, I knew I had this problem for a few weeks now. So that would have been nice, but didn't happen. Okay. On the owner's information agreement, there's a few more questions. What other third-party apps do you have in use at your company? Now, my list here, while it's not the longest list, it does have Gmail calendar syncing, which, by the way, remember, Gmail shut off its free syncing tool last summer, but some people are still grandfathered into that tool, which I'm very jealous of, because they have had no problems with it. If people have problems with it and they try to reinstall it, you can't reinstall it. It's gone. But if you have it still working and it doesn't break, you can use it for until it breaks. And some people still are using it. iCloud is the other biggie. Now, the reason uh, some companies have iCloud configured in a manner I've never seen before. Somebody played uh, iCloud technician, configured six people on six different things to see six different calendars to share, and it's a nightmare. That nightmare to declutter uh, would actually be more money into the migration than just a standard migration because I don't call it all-inclusive. This isn't like, you know, Sandals Beach where you come and it's an, a free-for-all. I give you the migration list of what I do and anything outside of that is billable. So iCloud would be billable. I mean, yeah, it's billable. I'm not even going to, I just say it is. Um, if I have to go into your iCloud and do any messing of configurations, now that's, I'm going to say that outside of just a regular import-export, which I do include, but I'm talking like I have to log into iCloud and back up the ISC or ICS file and then do a bunch of funky stuff. Yeah. You know, like, anyway, another one is Outlook.com. Now, a lot of companies have gone to Outlook.com because it is super friendly. It is a free exchange server, pretty much. And some people have been using it on their phones and their, you know, their iPads and other things just to make life easy, which I'm fine with. But if I need to get in there, I need to know because I might have to bill for that time. Now, tools like Companion Link and G Sync It, they I don't really bill extra for because that's a synchronization tool that doesn't ever cause me problems. Basically, I just take what's in Outlook and then I just cut it off and poof, it's done, you know, so I don't have to worry about it. And the final question is, what is your current company email platform? Pop, IMAP, Gmail, GoDaddy, Hosted Exchange, Hosted Exchange Other, Comcast, Hotmail, Earthlink, Yahoo, or Charter. <laughs> and trust me, 
you have to ask this question because again you can take a client in make the sale be like yeah you know we're gonna do an exchange migration sounds good i'll take your you know six hundred dollars and if you don't know that if they're on charter for their main business which a lot of businesses are you have to have them go through their domain this is just part of the questions that i try to get in the pre you know migration sale but sometimes people don't understand so this kind of forces them to answer the question and you can then figure it out a little bit better okay that is checklist number one which again is in the show notes on uh, podnuts.com slash ctg show 21 and also on callthatgirl.biz slash office 365 show 21 and the next one is the migration survey which this came i had to create this because if you're doing a migration for a company of let's say six people and the owner sets it up and everything's good but they don't tell the employees they just say yeah friday sounds good we're all in the office oh okay sounds good okay come friday susie jack and john decide to take a day off they're not aware of it and then what maybe they took their computers with them i mean the, the thing is you have to just be really clear and manage the expectations i I definitely tell my clients that uh, they have to fill out this form no matter what each person individually because I need information from them that makes the, mig the migration just go smoother for them and me. So I have no problem with um, remoting into a phantom laptop that no one's sitting at all day. But let me tell you that those people, when the server stops delivering their email, they want to go set it up on their iPhone immediately because they're maybe in a conference and they panic. They're like, my email. You know, if you get 12 emails in 15 minutes, you're kind of nervous when they stop. So I give them all the tools to set up their, um, their new email accounts on all their tablets, phones, even the online version prior to the migration with the information that they gave me that I'm going to cover right now. Okay, so the first question is, what time zone are you in? This is critical for me because I work nationally and also remotely. So if, if people, uh, half the team is in California and the other half is in, you know, New York, I need to know that for, for scheduling purposes. And sometimes because if I do a migration for New York at 11 a.m., it's 8 a.m. in California and that ain't going to work for some people because I've learned that, no offense, but a lot of Californians start work at 1030 in the morning. <laughs> it's it's like common for them to not book with me before 10:30 so I've learned well okay so now east coast people are up at the crack of dawn and I just it's a communications thing so I try to find out where everybody lives um again I ask each employee what version of outlook they're using because I really need to know that if they're on 2003 you know we have to do a lot more work to prep them to get ready for the migration and if they have 2013 in my head, I already know I need to do an optimization on Outlook 2013 before I do the migration because 2013 can be clunky sometimes and I don't like it clunky. So I just know when I'm remoting in that computer that I have to do a quick little Outlook tune-up. And then I also ask them what is their smartphone? What kind of smartphone do they have? iPhone, Android, Windows, Blackberry, other. Those are the common ones. I mean... I don't know, know what other ones are out there, but I like to know because then when I go send out my information about smartphones prior to the migration, I know who gets what. And I try to be very detail oriented um, because Androids can be difficult sometimes with Exchange. 
I send them the best instructions I have and tell them that we might have to do that over the phone. The iPhone, though, I have perfect instructions, almost to a, you can't go wrong with the instructions I made and my clients love it because then they can go do it on their own time. And not many people really like spending 20 minutes on their iPhones with me saying, okay, click the gray settings button, then go click mail context calendar. And it's pretty much like, you know, like a, step by step by step by step when they can look at the pictures I made and they can do it on their own time. I also ask, do you work from your home? Let's see. No, let's see here. Do you work from an office or your home or both? And this I think is important for me because if they home office, let's say they're an employee of a company, then I know that those people generally don't care if a migration takes longer because they're already home and they can look at a browser window for their email. But if they're in an office, sometimes the time is constricted. Hope this doesn't sound too confusing, people. But for me, it makes sense. How many computers do you have Outlook installed for work? One, two, more than two. Just so I know, because if someone comes in and says, well, I actually have six devices, Lisa, and an employee does, they're getting billed for six devices. That's not a freebie for me to spend an hour and a half configuring, you know, all of their new server on six devices just because they are a technology maniac. Right? Right. Then I also asked them, let us know how you want your name displayed. So if it is Susan Johnson, PhD, I hope she puts that in there because that's what it's going to be. What password do you want us to set up for you? Now, I tell people you have to have a capital, lowercase numbers, and sometimes a character. I like giving, I like uh, the new, the, excuse me, the new Microsoft admin account allows you when you're creating a mailbox to actually keep the password you want and not force the user to change it, which is a dream, dream. But if you don't have the password, then you have to make one up. Okay. So you make one up, whatever. Um, but then you got to change it later and that messes it up and nothing's perfect and I hate it. And that's why I just want their password, make it easier. Then I also ask for a good phone number to contact them during the migration because people tend to fog off, leave, go to go, who knows where they go. And I'm like in the middle of doing something and I'm like, I need to call you right now, person. So that's why I asked for a good phone number. And again, I asked them, are you having any email or Outlook issues? Please describe below because the employees will tell you, the bosses will say, nope, no one has problems. But the employees like to say, yes, I have these problems and that's good because then you are prepared and you can maybe get some more sales and, you know, it's just good for you to know anyway. Okay. Outside of your work core computer, do you have any other computers or tablets or iPads? And I think I actually covered that above. <laughs> but yes, I have one other computer. Yes, I have two other computers. Yes, I have others and tablets. And then do you feel you're overwhelmed with your email and inbox? Now, this is my little heart coming out. And I asked them, do you feel you're overwhelmed with your email and inbox? <laughs> Some people have a hoarding problem. And my three answers are, yes, I have too much email to manage. No, I am just fine. I'm a hoarder. Help. And you know what? I get the hoarding help one a lot because people, I think, think they're hoarders and they're really not. But some are and they need, then they need help. Then I ask the employees if they're using a third party to sync. Because if you are in a, a situation with a client that's all on pop and they don't give, 
you know, a calendar synchronization program to their employees, you can bet that their employees are going to go and find some freebie off the internet to get it to work because they need it. So that's why I'm asking them also. And my final question is, please check the box after you acknowledge the following. And this might sound silly, but I make them check it. I am aware I may lose my autocomplete emails. And here's what I put. Due to some versions of Outlook in a new server, setting up autocomplete is sometimes not possible. Autocomplete is when you start to type someone's name and their email autocompletes. I put in there, I do my best to collect these for you, but you need to be aware that sometimes I cannot do the technology challenges. And that, people, is a fair thing to say because autofill in Outlook 2013, it could be a dragon to slay. Seriously. It might not work. AutoStream might not come up with the new profile. AutoStream might have come up with the new account. And it's just like it's not like the old NK2 edit file where you can just dump it in and it's done and it's not 2010 anymore. And it's seriously, I put this clause in there because I tell people sometimes even before I start to say, you might lose your autocomplete. They're like, that's okay. I'll just start over. Some people want to start over. They're sick of seeing all those Craigslist uh, replies that they've had and old people that don't work with them and all that stuff. So, you know, sometimes it's okay to start fresh. And just for those that don't know, it's when you start typing a name in the two field that it comes up with like 80 people in the A and the Bs and everything else. So anyway, that's kind of how I uh, give them that. The, the send off is you might not get that. But otherwise, I'm pretty good at everything else and I do good work. Okay. Well, anyway, those are the two checklists I do. I really want to cover that with you guys because I think that, uh, you know, these are important things for you to know. You're, you're more than welcome to steal and borrow all of those checklists. I have no problem with that. And again, if you're looking to get into migration work, um, you can get the book at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. It's 19 bucks and uh, it's pretty thorough. I actually have a little update coming with these checklists in it, by the way, so people can not have to click outside of their internet to do it. Um, the show notes, I'll have everything in here I talked about. Um, I think that might be it for the show, gang. I think I put out a good show today. Um, looking through my notes here. Let's see if I'm missing out on anything. No. I did it. Okay. Let's close the show. Reminder, if you have any questions or you want to share a story... Or maybe you want to be a guest on the show, contact me, Lisa, at callthatgirl.biz. And again, callthatgirl.biz slash office365, podnuts.com slash ctg. And um, you can follow me all over social media. Just Google Call That Girl and find me on Twitter and G Plus and all those fun things. Okay, folks, this has been a Podnuts production. Audio supported by Mitch Hammond. Thanks again to our sponsor, App River. Be sure to check out other Podnuts podcasts, Podnuts Daily, Android Apps, Addicts, sorry, Linux for the rest of us, and the Geeksters. And that's it for the show this week, folks. I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>